were two girls left without dates, me and my best friend, Rise Abramovitz. Rise Abramovitz was actually named after the famous opera singer, Risa Stevens. But we pronounce it Rise. Now, Melvin is a small kid. So what does he do? Brings in a tape measure to see which girl is shorter. This is my introduction into Jewish-American dating rituals. It's a little humiliating, but I don't say anything because I really want to go to that dance with Melvin. I like Melvin because he's a champion speller, he can play Havanagila on the clarinet, and he can blow on his arm and make it sound like a fart. <laughs> He may be a little too short, but he's got curly red hair and big brown eyes. In other words, he's exactly like me. Well, I win by half an inch. My father, A.B. the tailor, makes me a taffeta skirt. I can't wait for the big night. But when Melvin comes to pick me up, A.B. goes, So, how do you like my little girl? Isn't she our beauty, huh? When are you getting married, huh? <laughs> Melvin never asks me out again. And I lose a lot of sleep over this. I am so ashamed of my father. Why must he be such an immigrant? But then I figure, hey, this is the Bronx. There are plenty of other smart, funny Jewish boys around. There's got to be one for me. Now, if you actually are married to a Jewish man, you may be wondering why I believe that this was the key to happiness. <laughs> I was young. I was foolish. Well, I grow up, and the funny thing is, it turns out that Melvin Tannenbaum is the last Jewish boy who ever asks me out. Now, I go out with plenty of other guys, but never the Melvins. There is something about me that turns them off. And then I read that when Rob Reiner was first going out with Penny Marshall, and they're both from my old neighborhood, he told her how surprised he was that they got along so well. You're the first Jewish girl I ever liked. <laughs> I'm not Jewish. I'm Italian. The name was originally Mustarelli. Oh, says Meathead. Dad explains it. So here's where I begin to understand what my problem is. It's not just A.B., it's me. I am too Jewish. I'm going to have to do something about that. But what exactly does it mean? For starters, I know practically nothing about Judaism. And I regret this, but I was not brought up in a religious home. No, sir. My parents were lefty, union, labor, socialist, atheists. They belonged to any organization that had a W in it. The ILGWU, the IWO, Der Weichmann Cycle. On Yom Kippur, 
We used to sneak downtown to see a Broadway show because, and I say this with Jewish pride, Yom Kippur is the easiest day of the year to get tickets. <laughs> but in spite of this, my lack of Judaic education, I could be in a room full of Jews and somebody wants to know what day of the week Tisha B'Av falls on this year, <laughs> they will ask me. And when I say, oh, sorry, uh, I'm not even really sure what Tisha B'Av is, they go, really? Well, if you don't know, who does? The Pope? <laughs> and then I hear that Sidi Lumet the film director, whom I love and admire, and who started out in Yiddish theater as a child, describes his present wife's great pride as wasp heaven, whose people literally came over on the Mayflower. So big deal. My people also came over on a boat. I am suffering from unrequited love, because the guys I want all think that a wife with a pedigree is going to make them look less ethnic. I have news for them. It doesn't work. It's like the old joke about Jaime Greenblatt, who changes his name to Standish Merriweather III to get into the country club. But on the application, where it says religion, he fills in goy. Let's face it, the only good news for Jewish women in the last century was William Jefferson Clinton. <laughs> he risked his marriage, he risked his career, he risked the stability of the United States government, all for a sexual obsession with a dark-haired, zoptic Jewess. For this alone, he gets my vote! <laughs> but I still feel undervalued by my own men. And what does the poet say about a woman scorned? Hell hath no fury. Anyone know who wrote that? I always thought it was Shakespeare, too. No, it was William Congreve. But let me tell you something about Shakespeare. Shakespeare was not Jewish, <laughs> and I can easily prove this. No Jew could write a play called All's Well That Ends Well. <laughs> but to rub kosher salt into my wounds, I still have to listen to all those jokes about Jewish women. What do you call a Jewish princess on a waterbed? The Dead Sea! <laughs> What's a Jewish porno movie? Debbie does nothing. <laughs> Funny, yes, but not true. Just for once, I'd like to hear a couple of sex jokes about a Jewish-American prince. What's the Jewish prince's favorite position? VP of marketing. What's he like as a lover? He wants you to give him oral sex, but he will not let you drink out of his glass. <laughs> now that's what I call funny. 
<laughs> but I do realize if I want to fit in and be popular, I'm going to have to tone myself down. I can't afford a nose job, so I straighten my hair with lye. I learn to eat quiche rather than crepla. And I go to speech class to practice that Gentile R. New York, Times Square, 42nd Street, orgasm. <laughs> Gornished helping. <laughs> that means, where's Pauline? Nothing helps. <laughs> like I go to this TV audition. Hello. I'm Annie Corzin. I'm here to read for the role of the history professor. And the casting assistant thinks she's being cute and goes, Okay, darling, mazel tov. Have a seat. Enjoy. <laughs> now, I get this all the time, but this young woman happens to be Chinese. <laughs> She ought to be a little more sensitive. I mean, what would she think if I went, oh, thank you, how are you, how are you, from Marie? You want starch in your shirt? You want fortune? Oh, my commercial agent calls. Annie, I'll audition for you tomorrow, and I can guarantee you are going to book it. Well, how can you be so sure? Because you've worked with this director, Stu Lefkowitz, before, and he's looking for an Annie Corzin type. I'm a type? Wow. I do not get the job. Stu Lefkowitz hires a perky little blonde. I am too Jewish to play myself. <laughs> well, why am I surprised? Jewish women are played by people like Blythe Danner, Shirley MacLaine, <laughs> Vanessa Redgrave, I guarantee you, when they make a movie out of this show, my role will go to Meg Ryan. <laughs> and in the meantime, my father, A.B. the Taylor, now has a second career. He is a street musician. He has this little slide whistle. Every weekend, he goes downtown to serenade the public. Melvin Tannerbaum reports to me that he saw A.B. playing by Mir Bistu Shane in the Central Park Zoo. <laughs> and then a talent scout discovers A.B., puts him on national television. That's right. My daddy's on The Tonight Show, and the guest host is Jerry Lewis. So, Mr. Drazen, how are you this evening? Well, Jerry, you know I'm a tailor, so. I'm so, so. <laughs> I have got the entire country, including Rob Reiner and Sidney Lumet, sitting in their living rooms laughing at my father. <sighs> Maybe I'm adopted. I should find my birth parents. But then, in real life, a miracle does happen. I meet a fabulous guy on a blind date. His name is Benny. He's a filmmaker. I like him a lot. He likes me a lot. And after a brief courtship, 
we decide to get married. Now this Benny, he's cute, he's classy, he's cultured, but the best thing about him is he's European from Denmark. His real name is Bernhard. He grew up surrounded by blonde, blue-eyed Scandinavians, so he thinks that I am colorful and exotic. We fly to Copenhagen to meet his family. They're great, except Benny's sister is married to an upper-class Danish Lutheran named Axel. There is a wide cultural gap between my brother-in-law, Axel, and me. I'll give you what my father would call a for instance. The man eats a raisin with a knife and fork. So, Axel invites us to the Royal Danish Ballet. We take our seats in this beautiful old theater, but I notice something very strange. No one is speaking above a whisper. It's totally quiet in the audience. So I poke Axel on the side and I say, who died? <laughs> People are staring. I better behave myself. Suddenly, everybody gets up. <gasps> oh my God. Queen Margrethe and Prince Frederick are entering the royal box. She is wearing a gazillion dollar necklace and a frumpadicka lime green evening gown. Where do these people shop? And I want to scream, will you look at the size of those diamonds? They're as big as golf balls. But I say nothing. And when the ballet is over, I applaud discreetly like everyone else. So a few months after that, Axel comes to New York, and he wants to go to the theater. So what do I do? I take him to see Jackie Mason. <laughs> I know. I know. Jackie Mason, let's face it, is a sexist, racist sleazoid. But he is a very funny sexist, racist sleazoid. And I figure Axel could use a little loosening up, right? We get to the theater. It's a matinee. The audience is full of blue eyeshadow and full of life. They're laughing and clapping and screaming and hollering. And the show has not begun yet. It's